Welcome to the First Impressions Podcast, the official podcast of the Forum of Incident Response and Security Teams. Every month, Chris John Riley and myself, Martin McKay, share informal conversations with security professionals from around the globe. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers alone, and any sarcasm you hear is purely intentional. For more information on FIRST or this podcast, please check out FIRST.org. So sitting down here with Martin live at the conference, we're lucky enough to be talking to Vishal Taka, um, Senior Director DFIR um, at Ankara. Welcome, welcome to the show. Welcome, uh, welcome to the show as well. <laughs> I think it's the first one you're doing today, right? Yeah, it's the first first uh, <laughs> recording we're doing this year. Yeah. It's been a couple of years since we've done live interviews, so yeah, this is a new we're experience. All, all, we're all a little bit rusty at talking to people in person. That social thing, I don't quite know how it works anymore, so we'll, uh, we'll have to see how things go. So you gave a, a talk earlier on today about ransomware. We're really interested to kind of get your take on you know, where ransomware is going and a little bit about you saying living with ransomware. So what does that mean for you? Let's start with a bit of a story here. Um, way back in 2012-13, I remember um, working in a consulting um, consulting industry and uh, we had a big ransomware incident with one of the clients and um, we, we were all made to gather around in a room, not quite unlike this one, and uh, brainstorm it and uh, try to come up with uh, ideas and how to help this customer um, who was obviously pretty distressed at the time. And uh, this is way back, right, when um, ransomware really just meant crypto locker, essentially. And one of the senior <laughs> consultants, um, I remember quite clearly uh, him going, uh, oh, come on, guys, this is just a fad. It'll go away. We shouldn't really worry about it that much, right? And um, here we are today, right? Um, many years after that incident, it hasn't gone away, obviously. Um, and if you look at the talk, uh, the, the, the title of the talk, it's uh, uh, Living with Ransomware, um, the New Normal in Cybersecurity, which kind of sounds familiar um, in the last couple of years. Um, so we do think it's very similar to COVID, for example, right, and other pandemics. Um, they do happen, and uh, they don't really go away. No, I mean, because it's, it, quite frankly, it's an easy way to for the criminals to attack. It's an easy way for them to get the money. And they're finding out, just like any sort of, of uh, way of criminals getting money, the easier it is for them to do and the harder it is for law enforcement to check them down. So you're right. It's going to be normal for many years to come. I mean, but what does that mean we have to do about it? How do we deal with it as the new normal? Pretty much take the same approach as a lot of uh, countries have with coronavirus. Um, uh, some countries tried to eradicate it. Um, famously, New Zealand tried that and failed. Uh, but like again, getting back to the same analogy, we, we just need to learn how to live with it and not let it affect us to a point where you know, it just kills us, basically. Um, from a technical point of view, what that means is um, really be prepared for it. Um, and I, we were talking about before before the podcast started, uh, how it's um, you know it's not about if anymore uh, hasn't been for a while. It's really about when. Um, so basically, there's a few things at a base level that most organizations can do. They should be doing that, 
and then uh, it gets a bit complicated obviously depending on the organization and how big and small they are and how complicated their setup is but there's definitely a lot of things that we can do to to just be prepared for it so how many of those things are really come down to good security hygiene right as an example is it so a, l a lot of this uh, ransomware is often attacking vulnerabilities in systems being taking over systems that's not new right it's it's something that people have been exploiting for years just what people do when they get the access if we weren't able to protect our systems before ransomware, how can we do it now, right? What, what's changed? What, what do we need to do now that we weren't doing before? You're right, it's pretty much, um, yeah, most of it really is, you know, it comes down to good security hygiene, obviously. Um, if everything is open and not patched, <laughs> it'll be easier uh, for, for the threat actors to get in. Um, but there's also a lot of uh, um, things like, um, detection-based protection, for example, which a lot of companies can do um, as long as they, 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 they're able to find out uh, how to build these detections. A lot of uh, ransomware executes commands on systems um, and uh, it gets even more relevant when you kind of pivot over to Linux-based attacks, which is where the whole ransomware game is going to end up very soon, I think. 80% um, of infrastructure runs on Linux, right? Uh, it gets easier there because uh, they have to run commands. Uh, it's harder to execute on Linux. It's not just, you know, like Windows double click it and it just, you know, next thing you know, you're locked out. Um, you need special scripts to be to be able to run that executable. Uh, times you have to make the file executable before you can run it. Uh, so there's a lot of those things. Um, but basically detection is one of them to come back to your point. Um, see what it's doing, what commands it's running. Um, a lot of them try to disable Defender, for example. There's specific PowerShell scripts they use. Base detections on them. And as soon as you detect it, do something with it, you might lose a couple of files, but still, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll basically you know, uh, divert most of it to just a couple of files. Um, and then obviously there's a... Uh, there's a lot of other stuff you can do about it. Uh, depends on your organization and how it's been set up. A lot of this malware probably is not proxy aware, for example. I know that's another easy way. So, yeah. But but part of this is not even the technical that we have to deal with. I mean, I think that's, to me, that's one of the biggest things is, is within the organization itself of having a, a policy, having a process for when the ransomware hits, of ha even knowing who to communicate. I mean, I think that's probably a large part of some of the earlier, like five, six years ago stuff, that people, once once something happened, people didn't even know who should be they should be talking to, who in business, do they, they, th they wouldn't even think to talk to the PR team for external communication. So there's a lot of policy process and just human uh, part of that isn't there yes yes there is and we talked about it in the in the uh, talk as well um, communication is definitely one of the biggest part of, of responding to any ransomware incident because just because any oh, the thing that's slightly different with ransomware is um, it has a certain it has a more dramatic feel to it right I mean attacks happen all the time um, I mean, BEC is probably the biggest thing that happens today, right? Uh, but as soon as the the word ransomware is uttered, it's it's big, right? And uh, that's where communication really comes in. Um, definitely need to have some sort of a policy around that. Um, 
you definitely need to have it set up in a way where when it happens you've you've got a team or if you're really small at least a couple of people trained in communication and a plan on how to communicate it um, regular communication is very important uh, during the whole attack sequence um, how to communicate uh, who should be communicating um, these are more importantly who shouldn't be communicating uh, the information coming out of the organization should definitely be uh, streamlined um, rather than like you know uh, people just talking about it uh, publicly who shouldn't and then the first time you're hit with something like this you you go to look at your incident response plan to figure out what you need to do and you find out it's on the server that got encrypted and the, the, the whole infrastructure you're going to use to communicate to everyone isn't online because it got encrypted so <laughs> this is lessons learned when you haven't been through this before is like it's often more yeah, difficult than you yeah. think yeah definitely Chris I think you, you, you it's, a, it's a really good um, time to, to pivot into um, tabletop exercises because what, what you just mentioned is a classic tabletop exercise um, outcome that people can use uh, well basically we do a lot of tabletop exercises with our clients and a lot of times we see uh, we get to exactly that point that you mentioned and we go like how about your servers been encrypted and uh, <laughs> it's it's pretty interesting at that point right or even uh, uh, recently with remote work for example um, we, we uh, get to a point where we inject something like well your communication head of communication or whoever was supposed to do it is offline because there's a storm and uh internet's out in that whole yeah, area these things, these things fall down fast when you start to inject yeah, yeah. um your know, incidents into things so certainly role top role, role playing and and kind of doing those tabletop exercises help you understand how your company is is going to be able to handle these things so i mean but a lot of people just don't spend the time until they've had the incident and if you're doing it when you've had the incident it's it's already too late yep yep definitely well one of the things i wanted to come back to you you mentioned casually that you think ransomware is going to be heading more towards to linux and unix does that mean it's finally the the year of linux on the desktop <laughs> <laughs> now chris yeah look um i mean we've all seen that mr robot clip right where the guy goes ah you're running linux um uh, I don't know, to be honest. <laughs> uh, desktop, I'm not sure. It, it's, uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean you, you've got Mac, you've got the OS X, so that's that's as close as I think we're ever going to get to Linux on the desktop, Chris. Sad, sad. Yeah. I mean, it depends, right? I mean, um, most, I don't, I don't know, I'm talk, I don't want to talk <laughs> about other people, uh, but most, most of us in security do use Mac. Um, so, yeah, we're definitely close. But, uh, it's mostly though because we like the laptops because the stickers fit so well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I mean, let's let's go back to the the basic premise of, of your talk and this conversation. If if people are only taking one thing out of it, if of one thing they should go back to their their bosses, their management, and do, what do you think that for very first thing is that they should do to prepare for ransomware? That's a complicated question um, because it really depends on the type of organization, um, how big or small it is. I mean, big organizations have a lot of resources. They can ask for different stuff. Smaller organizations that you know we, we've dealt with in the past, uh, 
struggle just to get you know proper security implemented. Um, so do many large organizations, for that matter. But that's a yeah. separate issue. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, come to me with a different angle if you can on this question. Can you? Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> guess I guess the question is if if you're going to spend. If you're going to talk to your upper management, you're going to talk to C-level and say, this is a threat that we need to get ahead of. Are we saying it's it's technology? Are we saying it's process? Are we saying it's comms? What's the, what's the angle you go in with and say, this is the thing we should do first, then we move on to the other things? Look, ideally, it'll be a mix of everything. Everything yeah, that you mentioned. Ideally, but... Uh, but if you, if you had to pick one over the other... I would say most probably at this point in time, it should be the process of the comms. Because like I said earlier, we were talking about it, right? I mean, technically, it's kind of when it happens already. So it's interesting you say that because mm. most people who you speak to, I mean, I'm going to generalize here, but would say, oh, you need the technology in place to protect against this. But it doesn't seem like that's where people have the problem. It's like, you know, you have things, you have your AV on your desktop, you have a lot of infrastructure in place that may not be specifically targeting this kind of threat, but is going to give you enough of a signal that if you have the processes, you're likely in a better place. So it's it's good to hear that process. Yeah, because we're, we're, we're really coming from that angle now, right, where it's not a matter, like, and I keep banging on about it, but it's really not a matter of if it happens. It's more like when it happens, and when you go down that path, by default, the whole tech technology sort of thing is out right i mean if it does happen then what and you can keep throwing more and more shiny technology and products at it but if you don't have the process or the communication set up when it happens regardless of your you know you know all the technology you're using you'll still be in a pretty bad position to handle it if you don't have the process yeah i mean it's a cat and mouse game right y and, and yeah. it, you need the stuff around the technology to make this uh, something that you can last, right? Especially if it's yeah. going to be coming up on a regular basis in moving into the future. We've seen that, to come back to your original analogy of COVID, now there's systems and processes and, and, and the, the infrastructure is in place to deal with it. You don't know what the next version of COVID is going to be. You don't know what the next mutation is going to be. But when it does happen, manufacturing is ready, process is ready, deployment is ready, transport is, well, well transport's not ready, but you know, a lot of that <laughs> stuff is ready. So. That infrastructure is around it, which means we're going to see less of an impact, we hope. Yes, yes, exactly right. I mean, coming back again to that, the talk we did earlier about um, um, living with uh, ransomware, it's it's really about having these processes and structures in place uh, for when it actually happens so that we've got something um, to, to, to carry on and go on. Um, otherwise, because the other thing as well is... Um, Again, we're going back to the Linux um, thing we were talking about earlier. You could have all the technology in the world, and um, but if it's some sort of a you know, obscure zero day that the threat actors are relying upon, they'll still get in. Um, and once they're in, there's you know there's stuff they can do regardless of uh, all the technology you've got. And sometimes you 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 might be uh, might have environments that are you know just not protectable to that level. Uh, depending on what they're running, uh, legacy systems, and you know, there's just too much stuff out there. Oh, we get that. We could get into the into the background of some of these things being not protectable, meaning 
yes, you could technically you could protect them, but there's not the corporate will to do it, and it, there's not the money to do it, and that that becomes, I think, the real big problem with a lot of this. If you don't have the policies, if you don't have the processes, getting the money for the technical part of it's going to be even mu that much harder. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I see that. Um, I think we've all seen it. So, anything we haven't asked you about that we should talk about? Uh, do you do any cigars or something like Joe Rogan does? <laughs> no, we, we occasionally will do scotch or, or in this case, since we're in Ireland, we'll do whiskey, but no, yeah, yeah. Uh, no we, we don't, I don't think either of us smoke cigars on a regular basis, do you? Just kidding, just, no, I've never actually smoked a cigar. I was hoping to start here, but, uh, no, no, look, um, with, with, uh, ransomware and, uh, in general with with malware um now um we do see we do see a shift towards um threat actors jumping on new vulnerabilities as they come out um really fast i mean um quite recently we had the atlassian um confluence vulnerability and uh, when we had a look at it we could i mean it was public right so we could all see that it was already being uh, exploited before it was uh, outed. Um, I think that's that's kind of the next uh, frontier. Uh, how to deal with it? Um, I mean, your listeners or you know uh, your audience, anyone said any ideas? It'll be it'll be really good to hear that. Um, I think one of the ways, at least, is uh, collaboration um, between teams, uh, regardless of where you're from. Um, I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done in that area. Um, we see some some of it, uh, some some really good projects, some projects that actually were introduced at first conferences in the past. Malpedia is one of them. Um, there's another one that's coming up that they're doing a talk uh, later today. Um, it's the Search Poland. Uh, they've built a really cool new tool. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's definitely something uh, I'm, uh, I hope we see a lot more uh, on and you know conferences like first maybe keep doing what they do <laughs> yeah the bad guys communicate and so do we yeah we have to otherwise it gets worse well chris and i have been talking to vishal thacker i hope i got that right um and thank you very much for taking some time out of your day to talk to us no worries guys thanks uh, it's really good to be here thanks <laughs>